0: What's going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 15th episode of Season 4. Today we're talking about our targets and fades in fantasy football, but today we have one of the most special guests that we've had in a while on the podcast of course there have been bigger names from established companies but this guest is the definition of upcoming superstar he's one of the fastest rising followings on social media and he's been the creator of multiple other worldly fantasy football projects with over seven thousand social media followers he is the one the only the fantasy points ryan heath welcome to the show yeah
1: thanks alex uh yeah i really appreciate you having me on it has been really cool the last few months on fantasy twitter i have really enjoyed how everyone's been liking what
0: i've been putting out so yeah that's all you can ask for and again you know good data p that's the one really awesome thing about the fantasy football community is that i think people always unite around really good data really good studies and the time that people are willing to put in especially when you're working full-time and doing this on top of it pretty amazing to see but let's jump right in we have a couple we each have a number of targets. We each have a number of fades to talk about today. Let's start with the targets, the positive, before we bring on the hate of everyone else that is listening. So who is your first fantasy football target for this year?
1: Yeah, my first target I was tweeting about today, uh, getting a little spicy, is Christian Watson. So in short, the reason is he had an insanely efficient rookie season, uh, seventh best yards for outrun among all rookie wide receivers since 2007. If you touch down to just that, it was top five He's an absolute freak after the catch. He was seventh best among all rookies since 2018 in yak per reception, led all wide receivers last year in fantasy points per route. I can just read off all these insane efficiency statistics about Watson. The knock on him is always, oh, well, he scored a lot of touchdowns. He might've been touchdown dependent. We might be overrating him. We have this awesome metric at fantasy points called expected fantasy points that can kind of like take touchdowns out of the equation and just say okay what should this play what should this player have scored with his opportunity and he was the wide receiver 24 in that metric after week 10 which is exactly where he's being drafted so i love watson love the upside can't stop drafting him
0: what do you say to the people i'm i'm a big you know christian watson guy similar to joe mixon with him being second among all running backs and expected fantasy points again the touch that one five touchdown game doesn't mean anything when it comes to watson though like the big knock that I always get anytime I, I put out anything about him is Jordan Love, Jordan Love, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. So like, what do you say to the Jordan Love people crowd that are fading Christian Watson for that reason only?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jordan Love being awful is the one and only way Christian Watson fails. I do acknowledge yeah. that there are always ways that every single player can fail. Uh, but I would just rather bet on a talent like Watson because we've seen wide receivers produce with very subpar quarterback play before. And Jordan Love could even surprise us. We don't actually know that much about him as a player in the NFL. So on the off chance Love is decent, then Watson's going to destroy fantasy league. So that is just a range of outcomes that I am really enticed by.
0: Completely. You mentioned that that he was seventh in yards per route run last year. I mean, as a rookie, he was one of seven wide receivers to put up a 2.25 or better yards per route run. And the other guy to do it was actually Chris Olave, who was my breakout. Christian Watson, Chris Olave, each surpassed that number. The other five players to do it were A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and I, Odell Beckham, and I'm missing one off the top of my head. Stephon Diggs, I believe it was, but all of them were top five in fantasy points per game the following year. Pretty much the point of that stat is the fact that when these guys put up that number as a rookie in terms of efficiency and yards per run, they are destined to produce. I know the one knock on it is the fact they're changing quarterbacks, but Chris Olave is probably the only one on that list that is actually upgrading at quarterback from where what he had last year to getting someone like Derek Carr, who I love for him in fantasy football, especially when Derek Carr has helped Produce a top five player at their position in four of the last five years. He has also supported two different top twelve wide receivers over the last two years, and Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams. I think that he is going to get a huge upgrade. He's going to get a lot better. I think the only concern is just the yards after the catch. But where do you stand on Chris, Chris Olave?
1: I like Olave. Um, really big supporter for Dynasty. I think he's about appropriately priced for redraft because, yeah, I, I mean, as you laid out, he's, he's probably really freaking good. The, my only concern is the target competition uh, yeah. with Michael Thomas coming back. I think Rashid Shaheed is also really, really good. He he was just as productive in yards per outrun. Uh, had more yards over like the final six weeks than Olave even did when they were playing together. So I'm not sure that that's like a real reason to fade him. But it's Shaheed is the reason I'm not crazy out over my skis on Olave.
0: Completely. I think mean, that's that's totally fair. I think I'm going to side with the history and the guys finishing top seven. But again, I think right now it's not like he's being priced poorly. You know, he's going right around the, the back end wide receiver one range. But, you know, for me, I, I love my second year wide receivers. Maybe I'll die on that hill and it won't work out. But again, for me, it is definitely Chris Alave. But Let's go to our first fade. Ryan, who's the the first guy that comes to mind for you that you're fading a little bit in fantasy football right now?
1: Yeah, so I've drafted almost zero DK Metcalf. Uh, So just kind of looking back at last year, he was the wide receiver 27 in half PPR scoring with 10.8 fantasy points per game. Uh, Part of that is because he got very unlucky on touchdowns. He was leading all wide receivers in end zone targets, but scored on only five of those. So yes, I would expect him to score more touchdowns this year and more fantasy points this year. But Tyler Lockett has more yards per game over the past two years and is going three rounds later. There's new target competition in Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, in case anybody forgot, had one of the best college seasons of all time as a sophomore when he was competing with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So it's completely possible that Smith and Jigba just kind of comes in and alphas away that some of that target share. And I, I think the biggest concern is – Look, Geno Smith threw 572 times last year. That's more than Russell Wilson has ever thrown in any season of his career. And I think part of it was that the Seahawks backfield was just completely decimated by injuries for a good portion of the season, but they drafted Zach Charbonnet in round two. I, I know they've already had some injuries in camp in their backfield, but... My thought is the Seahawks probably want to be run heavier than they were last year through most of this year, if they are able to. So for all those reasons, I'm just not that interested in DK Metcalf where he's going.
0: And beyond that, they also added, you know, a a cornerback in the top 10 picks, you know, their defense probably going to be a little bit better, even less of a need to throw the ball. And like you pointed out, like, Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba are going so much later than DK Metcalf. We're going to take those guys at price every single day. I mean, Tyler Lockett, outside the top 30 wide receivers right now, been the wide receiver 17 or better for five straight years. Doesn't mean he's going to finish there this year, but again, take him at price all day, every day, twice on Sundays. The next guy that I'm going to be fading is Devontae Smith. I mean, Devontae Smith right now has an ADP of wide receiver 13. And when we're talking about winning your fantasy football leagues and beating anywhere from nine to 15 other people, or if you're playing a, a best ball draft, you want someone that has that you know wide receiver one type league winning upside when you're drafting them at wide receiver 13. And I just don't see why you wouldn't just draft someone like a T Higgins or Jalen Waddle going a little bit ahead of him, even a Jordan Addison. These are all guys that are playing on much higher volume passing attacks for a wide receiver two. And, you know, you could also pick apart the fact that Devontae Smith had his best games when Dallas Goddard was out. And then that three-way target competition at wide receiver 13 is just a little bit too rich for me, especially when they're on an offense that was outside of the top 20 in pass attempts last year. Granted, I think that's going to go up. I know that he's still getting better. But for me at wide receiver 13, I just don't know how much I like the upside of a wide receiver two when I don't think he's ever going to overtake someone like A.J. Brown. But are you a little bit more optimistic on Devontae Smith than I am? I think Smith is just fine again. uh, Like, yes, the real upside is
1: contingent upside if AJ Brown got hurt and there's suddenly more of a target share available there. I will say that the Eagles were not aggressive at all in the second half, and especially in the fourth quarter of games last year, because they were just blowing so many teams out. Uh, I forget the exact stat, but I think if you sort by uh, pass attempts per game in only the second half, it's like, and the bottom of the list, it's like the Bears, the Falcons, and then the Eagles randomly. Yeah. And it, it's because they blew so many teams out. If, if they get into some different game scripts where they are pushed a little bit more, I could see Smith outperforming even that wide receiver 13 ADP. But yeah, with him, I think you're winning small. You're not really winning big.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the, the main point that you talked about is, again, he's wide receiver 13. You can get a Chris Olave at wide receiver 12, a Calvin Ridley. At wide receiver fifteen, or an Amari Cooper at wide receiver seventeen, and I just think that those guys have a higher ceiling than Devonte Smith does if he ha- if they all you know happen to stay healthy for this year. But let's move back to another fantasy football target. Who's your next one? So my next target is going to be Tua Tungavailoa. Uh,
1: so all of this kind of comes back to just how he performed when he was healthy. So there's really a nine-game sample where he both played over 90% of the snaps, and he wasn't concussed at some point in the game, as sad as that is. In those games, Tua averaged 21.7 fantasy points per game and 0.59 fantasy points per dropback. That would have ranked as the QB5 in points per game last season and would have tied Patrick Mahomes for fifth in fantasy points per dropback. So he was really performing up with the elite, elite players at the position when he wasn't concussed. Uh, And there's even a few crazy stats like about his deep ball productivity, which I know is Twitter's favorite topic when it comes to Tua. (laughs) He led the league in average depth of target uh, went on plays where there was a clean pocket uh, that that's from at cplant plant underscore shout out. He posts really cool stuff. Uh, and also 70.9% of his targets over 20 yards were catchable. And that led every quarterback in the league. So we wow. can argue all we want about how good Tua is at throwing deep. But last year he was really, really good at it. He has two of the best receivers in the league for it. And I I just think his upside is insane. Like he, to compare him to like Patrick Mahomes, that's kind of the productivity that he is capable of through the air if he's healthy.
0: Yeah. I think after reading your case, I I had to, I was someone that was fading to a little bit more, but I think that you have definitely convinced me that that Tua is someone you need to be drafted. It's not really much of an argument that he is someone that people need to be paying more attention to. And if you're looking a little bit later than Tua, I think another guy that needs to be paid attention to, just logically, is Kirk Cousins. I know Kirk Cousins is not someone that really gets anybody excited, but he's finished as the QB 13 or better in seven of the last eight years. And over those eight years, he's finished as a top six QB three times. This defense got a lot worse. They lost their top four cornerbacks and didn't do much to replace them. Dalvin Cook is obviously gone and behind Alexander Madison. They don't have much in the running game at all and now you add in a first round wide receiver in Jordan Addison and then now you have TJ Hawkinson for a full season acclimated to the Viking system and now you have a triple threat passing attack that I think could end up leading the league in passing yards this year under Kirk Cousins again I don't think that you know it's the most beautiful option but when you look at their defense plus their running game, I think they can end up throwing even more this year. And I think that is going to be really helpful for Kirk Cousins. Again, he's being drafted at his absolute four right now, but I think he has a much higher ceiling than, than people realize. And I just hope that people go out and draft Kirk Cousins for more than just the Coles cash. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mostly agree. Um, I, I don't know if I quite get there with like, does he have a top five ceiling, but the Vikings are definitely live to lead the league in pass attempts this year. As you said, they don't really seem to care about their backfield that much. I'm a little <laughs> unconvinced that Alexander Madison is like the answer. So the, the real answer is probably that they're going to keep throwing the ball like crazy. So yeah, hard hard to get too upset about that.
0: Completely. What about the the tight end position? I think that that's notoriously somewhere that that can get, you know, a little bit more hairy in fantasy football drafts where we, we find guys that, you know, it's easier to target guys or fade guys. But is there anyone at least in the first like middle to few rounds that you find yourself not drafting a lot of? Because that seems like a range that people are just all over the place, whether they're buying it or selling it. Yeah, I have pretty much
1: zero George Kittle, just not a lot of interest. Uh, Graham Barfield had a good stat a while ago where when Debo, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and Kittle were all playing together with Brock Purdy, it's like a five-game sample or something like that, uh, Kittle was only fourth on the team in targets per outrun. So it, it seems like he's clearly kind of an afterthought in this offense when everybody's healthy. Yeah, I guess you can run hot on touchdowns. He kind of was doing that for a while last year, but it's not something I want to bank on when I'm spending premium capital on a tight end. He's also entering year seven, uh, which if you read my age curves article, that's the year that some tight ends kind of start to fall off when the range of outcomes gets really wide. A lot of them just will literally go to zero. And even looking at last year, like there's a couple red flags here. He was under two yards per out run uh, for the first time in his career since his rookie season. And he only ran just under 26 routes per game. And that was only 14th at the position. Part of that is just the passing volume in the 49ers offense. But I mean, yeah, that's kind of what is squeezing him out at this point, along with all the other competitions. So just not that interested in Kittle. I really like a lot of the other tight ends kind of going around him.
0: When you talk about the like that range for tight ends and what George Kittle did even last year, like last year was like the biggest anomaly that we've probably seen over the last decade. I mean, he was he has the lowest amount of targets for any top three tight end over the last 10 years. He was the only tight end under 90 targets. Every top three tight end had at least 90 targets, except for George Kittle, who had 84. Take it one step further, of those 30 tight ends to finish top three, 27 out of 30 had at least 100 targets. So it is super rare that you find someone that doesn't hit that number. George Kittle right now going as the tight end four. People are expecting bigger things. But like you talk about if that target rate is sticky when you're competing against Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk is just not really good, especially when the 49ers have also been in the bottom five in pass attempts, three out of the last four years, the only year they didn't. They had the worst defense in the NFL. Like we all know that they're going to be one of the top defenses in fantasy this year. The other tight end that I'm fading that I'm curious to get your thoughts on, Ryan, is, is Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram like was awesome last year and he looked really amazing down the stretch, but he just was a little bit too inconsistent for me. He was outside the top twenty tight ends in eight out of his seventeen games. He only hit fifty receiving yards in just six of his seventeen games last year. And now, if you add in Calvin Ridley, that hurts you know his target share even more. And then the Jaguars went out and drafted a tight end in the third round, which could further take away snaps. And I think that like it's not unfair for me to be like Evan Ingram's going to completely bust and not score fantasy points. I'm not saying that. But I think that he is going to be like the most inconsistent tight end of any tight end, probably going in the top 10 right now. And I think for that reason is why I'm fading him. I just don't think that week to week, the reliability, I think, is a little bit overrated. But maybe you have some different thoughts than I do on Evan Ingram.
1: No, I line up with you pretty much 100% there. It's funny you mentioned the inconsistency. Uh, My colleague at Fantasy Points, Jake Tribby, is working on an article all about consistency right now. And he set, sent me over some sneak peeks. I, I I guess I'll spoil this. Evan Engram was the least consistent player in all of fantasy football last year. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, okay. it, all it things, makes sense. Not just tight ends. It, uh, not just tight ends of all, all skill players in fantasy fo- all skill positions other than quarterback. Yeah. Wow. It's so kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I largely line up with you there. I don't see how more target competition is going to make that any better. I really, my only assumption is that it was kind of a game plan specific thing where they like where he matched up against certain defenses, but not against others. I'm not going to pretend to be able to call that ahead of time. I, I don't think most people can. So, unless you have an inside source with the Jaguars. So, yeah, Ingram is also pretty much off my board. And a, a big reason for that is the tight ends going right after him that I just like a lot more.
0: So, who are, who are, you know, if you can name a couple or, or one specifically, like where, where are you targeting the most of the tight end position right now?
1: Yeah. So, I, if I don't get like a top six tight end, I want to leave pretty much every draft with either Greg Dulcich or Chigo Conquo. I'll talk about Dulcich right now. His 41 yards per game is fourth among rookie tight ends since 2010. Only Pitts, Jordan Reed, and Evan Engram actually would, had had more yards per game as rookies than he just did. Sean Payton, I know there was originally some skepticism. Okay, Sean Payton brought in Adam Troutman. We've seen this before. He just likes his guys. But it, if you listen to Sean Payton talk about Greg Dulcich, it's kind of insane. He is saying that he's going to play the Joker role. He's compared him to like Jeremy Shockey and Jason Witten and Jimmy Graham. I, I just think Dulcich could have a really, really valuable role in, in this Denver offense. Last year, he ran 30 routes per game. That that was top four among all tight ends. And if the Broncos get literally any better, if they're just not like a completely dysfunctional basement tier offense, like they were under Hackett, then Dulcich is an insane, insane value as a tight end 15. I, if I have to pick one guy going outside of like the top eight tight ends that could finish top five. It's absolutely Greg Dulcich. And yeah, that's why I can't stop drafting him.
0: Wow. That is well said. I think it should be noted for the people listening that Sean Payton has actually over his 14 years as a head coach helped four different tight ends finish top 12 in fantasy football. I can't imagine there's a head coach that has employed more different tight end ones than Sean Payton over the last few years. One other person that, you know, is going in the later rounds that I can't get enough of is Elijah Moore. I mean, he was one of 14 rookie wide receivers to hit an 80-plus PFF receiving grade. The other 13 all later hit a top 14 season in fantasy football. He's the only guy not to do it yet. You know, we've seen clips of him being used out of the backfield in Cleveland. He's the clear wide receiver, too, with Deshaun Watson. And you know, for a wide receiver going outside the top 40 right now, I don't think you'll find almost anybody with a higher range of outcomes than Elijah Moore. Again, we've seen him flash the talent. I think this is the perfect situation. I think that people are underrating outside of Nick Chubb, underrating a little bit what this Cleveland offense could be capable of if all things fire right. And I think Elijah Moore is going to be a big part of that. Are you targeting Elijah Moore at all? I am.
1: Yeah, I've I've always been a Moore fan like since he came into the league. I really liked his college profile. His rookie productivity was Really, really nice. I I've post I feel like I've posted so many charts where Elijah Moore's as a rookie, his name is like next to Devontae Smith and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's like, okay, like what, what happened here with this with this one guy out of three. So yeah, in in my opinion, it seemed like there was somewhat of like a personality clash going on with Moore and some of the Jets coaching staff. I, I really think that new scenery is going to be good for him. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to take the shots on him where he's going.
0: That makes me so happy to hear that, that you – any anyone that likes Elijah Moore is a friend of mine, and I'm glad to hear that you're in on him, and hopefully everyone will too. But is there – what about a wide receiver that you're fading a little bit right now that you may not be buying as much as Elijah Moore? Yeah, I so – I hesitated in putting this
1: guy down on my list because just because I feel like everybody else has kind of caught up to where I'm at but I feel like I was the original George Pickens hater like I feel like back <laughs> like nowadays it's everybody is talking it's about cool George to Pickens hate George can't Pickens separate. Bro. like he makes cool catches but he but he never gets open like it and all of that is completely true I have all these stats to back it up um but I I I feel like the consensus has caught up to that a little bit but I, yeah just to make the case for why I have not been into Pickens ever. His 1.44 yards per out run was the worst among all rookie wide receivers last year, except for Alec Pierce, David Bell, and Tyquan Thornton. Uh, No one's excited about those guys in fantasy right now. I don't think we really should be about Pickens. Uh, And I think, like... Most importantly, Pickens was only targeted on 15% of his routes. That was the same as Marquez Valdez-Scantling last year, who for years we've made fun of for being like the wind sprint king. That that was literally George Pickens last year. Uh, even if you look at the – so just kind of a secret, guys. If you want to make a rookie wide receiver look good, look at the last six weeks. They all improve at the end of the season. Pickens didn't. He, he had the exact same targets per route run in his final six games. He was bottom six in yards after the catch per reception. So, yep, he's always falling down. Top 10 in percentage of contested targets. I, and I understand that a lot of it is based on his usage. Yeah, he's running all these goes, all these nine routes, all these targets deep down the field. It's harder to get separation on those. It's harder to get yards after the catch on those. But him being cast in that role it with the same exact offensive coaching staff and everything, like what? why are we thinking anything is going to
0: be different? Totally. I think that's a really good point. It's crazy that George Pickens said in a video with the Steelers media the other day that he thinks he's the best wide receiver in the world. I'm not sure I agree just yet, but I have to ask really quick like are you a Deontay guy? Like if you're not a George Pickens guy, are you just like a like fade Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator in this whole offense or at least the passing game, or like is there anybody on the Steelers right now, whether it's Deontay or someone else that you're finding yourself drafting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll take Deontay for sure. I feel like you almost have to with where he's going. Uh, he, yeah. I, We mentioned expected fantasy points earlier in the show. Uh, Deontay underperformed his expected fantasy points the most of any player last year. So if you're looking for regression candidates, like Deontay Johnson is the, the number one positive regression candidate this year. So yeah, he and he's always got an open. He's always earned targets. So yeah, definitely a Deontay Johnson supporter.
0: This this podcast has been the Deontay Johnson fan club for the last three years now, even before he finally had that wide receiver one season. So the Deontay love, always welcome over here. Um, but going back to the fading, I think this one hurts me a little bit because you want to see this guy succeed, but it, it has to be DJ Moore. I actually asked you about this, Ryan, pretty recently. And last year, the Bears had 22.2 pass attempts per game. And I asked you, like, What team in the NFL has increased their passing by the most over the last decade? I mean, it's 32 teams times 10 years. It's 320 teams that either go up or down in passing volume. And out of those 320, the most a team improved their passing attempts in a season was 9.9, which would put the Bears at around 32 pass attempts, which is still outside the top 20. Which is really bad for DJ Moore if that was like the absolute best case scenario. But more likely, they're probably still gonna be in the bottom five of pass attempts. And there have been just two wide receiver ones over the last 10 years to be on teams that were in the bottom five of pass attempts. That was Des Bryant in 2013 and Debo Samuel in 2020. Again, Debo, we all know why how that one happened through the running game. So unless he's gonna be 2013 Des Bryant, then I'm not very confident. Um in and DJ Moore. It's not a talent thing. It's more the fact that he's being drafted as a mid-tier or late wide receiver two right now. But I just think that he has a limited ceiling, and I don't think that he is going to be the AJ Brown or Stefan Diggs of years past that we're hoping for. Again, I'm a Justin Fields optimist, just not sure how much of a DJ Moore truther I am at cost right now. But maybe you can talk me out of it, or are you right in line? No, I pretty much agree. I mean, if I'm
1: Betting If I'm trying to bet on like a talented wide receiver where the thing I need to go right is a jump in team pass volume, I'm just going to take Drake London. And the reason for that is we have a pretty big sample of DJ Moore c- commanding like a good target share and being pretty decent, but never like to to succeed in like what we think the Bears offense is going to look like. He's got to be at like a 30% plus type of target share type of player. I think there's a chance that London is capable of that based on how insanely good he was as a rookie. And we always see players jump from year one to year two. But yeah, with DJ Moore, it's like similar costs to Drake London. But I just feel like much less upside, even if the thing that we need to happen go like goes exactly as we need it.
0: Exactly. And again, you want those people, but they just seem to be the people every year that we believe in. The town is 100% there, but... You know unfortunately you know quarterback play can really really hurt someone's fantasy football outcomes again i would love to be proven wrong on this but that is just where we're at let's talk about one final target from each of us before we get into your flag plant i think this is probably my favorite part of all we saved one of our, our best targets for last so we'll start with you like who who is the final target that you want to talk about today
1: Yeah, so I've been beating the James Cook drum all offseason. I'm going to keep doing it until he has like a fourth round ADP probably. (laughs) Uh, So in year two, according to my age curves research, running backs had an average increase from year one to year two by 42% in terms of their fantasy production. And Cook is like a poster child for this because he wasn't in a full-time role last year. It sounds like he is the unquestioned RB1 on the Bills this year, just with every report out of camp. Apparently, it's actually Damian Harris getting pushed for the RB2 role by Latavius Murray right now. So to, if, you, if you're scared of Damian Harris, maybe, maybe reconsider there. Um, and I understand that Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback mobile quarterbacks generally don't check down to running backs. Uh, but I have posted a chart showing that Allen actually checked down at the league median rate last year uh, by checked down by far the most out of all mobile quarterbacks and the bills threw over 36 times per game. So if you're going to pick a running back on like any mobile QB offense that could get targets, I think the bills are the team to pick. And I mean, we, it, Obviously, ever, any case for any player should come back to James Cook is probably really good. He was top 12 in yards per outrun among running backs last year. He led the entire league in explosive run rate, which is runs of over 15 yards. He did that at over a 12% rate. Uh, just just kind of any running back efficiency stat you look at, whether it's like rush yards over expected, yards per carry, he just kind of jumps off the page on all of them. Naheem Hines is out for the season. There's no way that he's going to come in and like steal 10% of the routes from Cook. There's just so many avenues to, even if Cook isn't seeing any goal line work, he can easily be like a mid-range RB2. If he gets even a little bit of it or scores like some long touchdowns because he's so explosive, then I, I really think James Cook can finish as an RB1 this year potentially if things break right. And he, he's being drafted as, like, the RB30 right now. So, yeah, what, one of my favorite kind of, like,
0: middle-round running back targets. I, I have one question for you because this is probably the most, like, common argument against James Cook, and it's the fact that he's never had 15 carries in an NFL or college game. What do you say to those people? I, they're completely correct.
1: There isn't a real history of some of a profile like this panning out as a bell cow. But I don't think James Cook needs 15 carries even to be good in fantasy this year. I I would like encourage people to think back to some of the early, like Alvin Kamara years, where yeah, he's getting like 10 to 12 carries, but getting all of the high value opportunities in the passing game. If you mix in a few high-value touches around the goal line, then you, you can still be an RB1 with less than 15 carries. What what matters is the quality of those opportunities, not just, okay, I got 20 carries straight up the gut for three yards.
0: Yeah, it makes a big difference. And it's one thing to point out, and we'll have to put it on a poster after this that, you know, Ryan, he thinks that, James Cook is going to be Alvin Kamara and scored six touchdowns on Christmas Day. You know, within the next two to three years, by by what your data is telling you, at least. No, obviously, I'm joking. Um, James Cook, someone I've really come I've come around to a lot over the last couple of weeks because a lot of smart people that have been touting him and posting good cases. I was one of the the 15 carry haters for a long time, but I'm definitely in on him the same way that I am extremely in on Rashad White. I mean, Rashad White was called a three down running back by his offensive coordinator. Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points pointed out that Adam Kaplan said that they're in love with him. They're going to run their offense through him. He's been, you know, reportedly been a focal point of the passing game throughout training camp, which is important because he led his draft class in PFF receiving grade and Baker Mayfield, you know, threw to running backs the number one rate last year. But the other part of think that's really interesting is that Baker Mayfield has done nothing but support running backs as top 12 running backs, whether it was, you know, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt when he was there or Cam Akers last year when he went to the Rams, even when he was the quarterback of the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey, like, you know, whether it's just super talented running backs, and he's been lucky or not. Baker Mayfield has done nothing but support these guys as really high value running backs. I think Rashad White is going to join that this year. And Rashad White is, you know, hopefully going to be one of my most drafted running backs in all of fantasy football, especially in the auction leagues I'm playing. Whatever price you're going to put up for Rashad White, I'm taking it. Is there any downside that I'm missing here, Ryan? I mean, sort of, yeah. So I've had a bit
1: of a roller coaster with Rashad White. I really liked him, uh, like, as a rookie when he was coming out, I really liked his profile. Before the draft this year, I was very off, I was vocally off him. I I was like, look, this guy was extremely inefficient last year. Like it it all the I know running back efficiency stats and graphs are kind of a meme, but he was in like the bottom left with Leonard Fournette on every single one. And I like which is funny given how much people were screaming for him to play over Leonard Fournette all season. Um, but it just yeah, looking at the Bucks actions where they Only bring in an undrafted free agent, Sean Tucker, who may or may not be healthy enough to play at all in the NFL. I really agree that White has an amazing opportunity this year. It's very rare that, especially in this day and age, that a running back is live for a a majority of the carries on the ground and a clear majority of the work in the passing game. White could get all of that. We can be concerned about this offense for sure. But yeah, I mean, you're getting the ADP discount on White as well. So I, I completely agree with you. He He's also a year two running back. And I mean, we've also seen running backs be really inefficient in year one and get a lot better in year two before. Famously, with that happened with Le'Veon Bell. It happened with Christian McCaffrey, who was really inefficient running the ball as a rookie. Uh, there's just so many ways that this can break insanely for White. So, yeah, kind of next to Cook. I am drafting a ton of him in the middle rounds as well.
0: Love love to hear that, especially when I mean Melvin Gordon was another one, not efficient rookie year, didn't even score a touchdown and exploded onto the scene. Hopefully, Rashad White and James Cook together, maybe draft them both on the same team um can be that this year, but real quick, we're going to get into your flag plant in just one second, but again, I think that you posted a lot of good data. I'm going to just throw throw a little bit of a curveball at you here like can you name maybe five or six other other fantasy football targets for the people this year. It doesn't matter the position, just whatever first comes to mind. You don't need to give a whole take, just like who are some of the other guys that you find yourself going after a lot, you know, in the middle to later rounds of drafts right now. Sure. Yeah.
1: I'm getting, let's see a good amount. I should just pull up my underdog exposures, but I know, I know (laughs) I'm getting a good amount of Amari Cooper kind of similar reasons as Elijah Moore. I just really like what that Browns offense could do. Uh, I'm trying to get a lot of Lamar Jackson. It's a a little hard with where he's going, but I do think he has QB one overall upside this year. I posted a thread about that a few days ago. Um, but basically it's a lot easier for quarterbacks to run when there's three wide receivers on the field. And Lamar has almost never been able to do that in his career. Now, Todd Munkin is coming in. He loves 11 personnel. He's going to transform this offense. So trying to get a lot of Lamar relatedly, trying to get a lot of Mark Andrews. Uh, yeah, I would say those are like three big ones.
0: I love that. That's really great. The last question we have for you, is always the flag plant, your boldest prediction for 2023 in fantasy football. I'll leave it up to you. The floor is yours. What is that 2023 flag plant? All right. So I, I know
1: that like, again, go if, rewind to like March or April. I was almost embarrassed to like say this just because it, it feels like so much, so unfalsifiable, it's, it was kind of a meme in my head at this point. But now everybody is kind of saying the same thing. So I feel like I have to go even more like insanely hot take on it. And I'm not a hot take person at all. But I think Justin Ross can make the Chiefs roster. And I think he will be a starting wide receiver for the team by week eight. Uh, so really the reasoning for this is Kadarius Tony is already hurt and is always hurt. Rasheed Rice just got hurt, I saw today. Uh, Sky Moore may or may not be very good. We know that Marcus Veldes, Scantling, and Justin Watson, they definitely aren't very good. Uh, I know that the Chiefs, to do this, might have to keep seven wide receivers on their active roster if they're not putting anybody on PUP. But I just think Ross could be by far the best talent in this receiving room. Uh, If you don't remember, he had one of the most efficient and impressive college seasons of all time as a freshman when he was competing for targets against T. Higgins and I think Hunter Renfro and Amari Rogers, if memory serves. So before all the injuries, Ross was obviously going to be insane. I mean, he's on a football field, he's playing, he seems like he might be healthy now, so... He's going to be my flag plant. I'm trying to take him in the final round, especially of every best ball draft. But even in managed leagues, as we creep closer to the season and keep hearing good things, I want Justin Ross on all my rosters. And does it feel like I'm touting Josh Gordon in like 2015? Yeah, a little bit. But I I mean, I have that jersey behind me for a reason. So we're going to keep rolling with that type of wide receiver
0: at least the price right now in, in redraft leagues is not too high. So again, if you're playing in a a league with a longer bench or you have the ability to hold him for a few weeks, um, I think that he is really exciting and people like you and Scott are definitely people that have really got me on him and I'm excited to see what happens. But Ryan, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Where can the people find you and all the amazing work that you're coming out with? And is there anything that you can tease for the people of some articles or big pieces or threads that you might have coming out over the next couple of weeks before the season? Yeah, you can find
1: me on Twitter at QBL Ryan uh, and you can find all of my written work uh, at Fantasy Points. As far as teases, uh, right now, I, I won't say too much, but I'm working on some articles kind of all about league winning upside and what types of players we need to be targeting if you want to end up with a player that gets like a fantasy season named after him. So
0: that wow. that's what I'm working on right now. Okay, I love that. And are there going to be some actual names for this year that are your guys that that you're going to be putting in that? Of course, yeah. No, it, oh, it's it,
1: it'll yeah, it's mostly it's mostly going through names and kind of yeah. taking individual cases for each player. So yeah.
0: Cannot wait for that. Well, he is Ryan Heath. I am Alex Caruso, and this is another episode of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget to like subscribe turn the notifications on for new episodes coming out every single Tuesday and Friday but until then keep enjoying the fantasy football goodness of the offseason and keep chasing that upside until next time